Good morning, Southwinds. It is good to be here with you all this morning. My name's Pete Ramirez. I think um, some of you might remember me. I come about once a year, and uh, yeah, I see Brother Brent back there and his family. And uh, Pastor, Pastor uh, Mike was here earlier this morning. I don't know if you guys saw him, but he was, he was here, and we got to uh, say hi to him this morning. He's supposed to be out on the sabbatical, but he just loves you guys too much. He can't get away from you guys, right? And so uh, it was good to see him, but... but Brother Brent, you're such a blessing to, to our board at the California Southern Baptist Convention, which I'm the director of, and I'm your missionary, and we're doing some great things in the state together. Uh, all our churches here in California, uh, your gifts that you give to missions through the Cooperative Program is, are, are making a difference. We continue to start churches in California. I mean, just think about it this way. What you give today uh, of your offerings and tithe is going to make a difference with uh, churches that are being started in cities like L.A. and San Francisco and places like Fresno and, and places that you probably not, never even heard of and even around the world because of your faithfulness of just giving to the Lord and your church being faithful and giving to missions. Uh, it's making a difference. And I get to lead the, the part of California here and how we manage those resources. And I'm seeing God's work at hand in many different places. And it's good. And I just want to say thank you for your faithfulness. Um, not only are we starting churches, we're seeing a lot of people come to faith. We're seeing uh, people getting ministered during time of disasters with disaster relief. So, so thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you do. But I'm not going to be talking about that today, okay? I can talk about what we do together as churches all day long. But today I've been given the assignment to, to speak on a parable, right? And today I want to talk about the unfruitful fig tree, the parable of the unfruitful fig tree. And uh, it, it, it really is a lesson uh, regarding repentance. And so that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. It's in Luke chapter 13. So if you have your Bibles, you can go there. We're going to read it in just a little bit. Before we get to it, let me give you a little bit of background of what is happening before Christ shares this parable with the people that are coming to him. So in chapter 11 and chapter 12, Christ is teaching the, the people of Israel, the, the Pharisees and the, the Sadducees and all these, all these crowds that are coming around Jesus because of the things that he's doing. And he is just calling out specifically the, 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 the Israel people, the people that are people of covenant with him, the people that he is loved on. And he's calling them out. And he, in chapter 11, he calls them hypocrites because they're supposed to be living a certain way and they expect people to live in this holy way and yet they themselves are not doing it. They, they, they need to repent. And again, this chapter 13 that we're going to look at this morning is a call to, for that, to repent. And so it's a call for the people of Israel to repent, but also for us this morning, it will be also just kind of a, a time where the Lord can speak to us and Maybe we look at our own lives and think of, well, what do I need to repent of? And we're going to be, again, talking about what repentance is and all of that. But that's what this passage is all about. And I pray this morning that uh, if there's an area in your life that you need to repent of, and that you would do that. And I would pray that if you've not repented of your sin and you're not walking with the Lord, that today may be the day that you begin to walk with Him. Amen? So, uh, so let's go ahead and read chapter 13. I'm going to ask you guys to stand as we read God's holy word. And I'm going to read here verses 1 through 9. This is the word of God. 
At that time, some people came and reported to him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. And he responded to them, Do you think that these Galileans were more sinful than all the Galileans because they suffered these things? No, I tell you, unless you repent, you will all perish as well. Or those 18 that the Tower of Salaam fell on and killed, do you think that they were more sinful than all the people who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as well. And he told a parable. A man had a fig tree that was planted in a vineyard. He came looking for fruit on it and found none. He told the vineyard worker, listen, for three years I have come looking for fruit on the fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it even waste soil? But he replied, sir, leave it this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. Perhaps it will bear fruit next year. But if not, you can cut it down. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. Lord, I pray that your word, Father, would minister to live souls, to our spirit, Father. Father, that as we are here hearing your word, Father, that it would not be the words of my mouth or my heart, but that, Father, it would be your words coming out of this mouth. Father, that your people would listen to, to what you have to say to them. Father, that none of us would leave this place unchanged. That we would all leave, Father, knowing, Lord God, that you have called us to be different. And Lord God, I pray that if there's anyone here that has yet to surrender their life to you as the Lord and King of their lives, Father, that today they would do that and that they would leave this place, Father, knowing that you love them and that you are offering, that you have offered to them, Father, salvation. And that, Father, that we would just continue, Father, to be, Father, faithful to you every day more and more. Lord, so speak, Father, at this moment to us. We thank you for your word. We ask these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. So this, this, this situation that Christ finds himself, we see in verse 1 that there's a group of people that come to him. They come to him and they begin to report about what happened to this group of Galileans. Now, we believe that this group of Galileans are a group of very uh, zealous, very jealous, very uh, uh, politically uh, unrestful people that were fighting against the things that were going on at the time uh, that they were around at the time with Rome. And so Pilate, the leader of, 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 of that group that was leading there in that area, he was just an evil man. Apparently, he killed these guys. He took their blood and he mixed it with sacrifices that were offered to their gods, which would, which would have been just blasphemy. Blasphemy that, it, that this would have happened to, 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 to Jews, to Israelites. And, and Christ, they were hoping, would have responded in a way that maybe he would have just told everybody, let's get up and let's just go, just go fight against the Romans. And, and they were trying to set up Jesus. And that's what a lot of the... the the, the Pharisees, a lot of the religious leaders were trying to do with Jesus over and over again. But Jesus knew better. Jesus always knew better. And so we see that Christ actually responds to the people in a way that really shocks them and surprises them. And he says to them, do you think that these Galileans 
are, are more sinful because they've died than, than, all, than other Galileans. And so what he's doing is he's correcting a, 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 a theology that these people thought of and they practiced back in those days, very similar to what people today pra- uh, think of with karma, right? If you're bad, bad things are going to happen to you. If you're really bad, really bad things are going to happen to you. And this was the, the, the idea that they had. Matter of fact, in the Gospel of John, in chapter, chapter 9, verse 1, we find this, this time when Christ finds a blind man. And in this, in this verse, he says, John chapter 9, verse 1, he says, As he was passing by, he saw a blind man from birth. Verse 2, his disciples questioned him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Again, this was the mentality of the day. They thought that, that well, if you, you must be really bad for this to happen. And if your blood got mixed with these sacrifices to these false gods, then you're really, really bad. But Christ is saying, no, 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 wait a second. Look at what he says there in verse 3. I tell you, unless you repent, that must have really thrown them back. Unless you repent, you will all perish as well. So this had to just shock the group. Like, wait a minute, we can't be as bad as that as those guys, but... Christ is understanding that these guys, they're kind of trying to set him up. And Christ is actually kind of fixing their their mentality so that they understand that, look, you guys need to repent. From what? From all the things I've been telling you in chapter 11 and chapter 12, that you're being hypocrites, that God has been a blessing to you, and you're not living the way that you should be living. Then he goes on. Christ continues. He says, how about those 18 people that died over there when that tower fell? Remember that tower fell, those 18 people? You think those people were worse? And so Jesus is saying, no, no, no. And what we got to see there in verse 4 is that, you know, things happen in this world. Earthquakes, volcanoes, hurricanes, fires. I'm glad that fire went down last night. When I stayed in my hotel last night, I'm thinking... Well, I might be able to preach tomorrow morning. I don't think it's going to come down the hill. And it was off this morning. Thank God for that, right? But, but natural disasters happen, right? People die. Cancer happens. People die. Why do we have these natural disasters and, and these illnesses and things like that? Well, because of original sin, right? We live in a fallen world. We live in a world where bad things happen to bad people and to good people. As a matter of fact, there ain't nobody good. The only one that was good was Jesus. The rest of us were kind of flawed and, you know, only forgiven by Jesus and forgiven by the Lord, and, and we're living under grace, right? So, so we all have to repent from something, right? We try to be better than others, but, you know, really it's the Lord that helps us to, to do anything good, right? And so, and so the reality is that they didn't understand. And so we, we live in this fallen world Things happen. We don't know. Maybe this tower fell because it was in a place where uh, the river runs and maybe the, the, the architect was not a good architect. Maybe there was an earthquake that happened and the 18 died. We don't know. But what we do know, it says, no. These people were not worse. These people were not, you know, uh, killed because they, they were more sinful. I tell you, he says in verse 5, that unless you repent, you will all perish as well. And so Jesus is calling, Christ is calling, and that's the, the first thing that we see, see here is that Christ calls people to repentance. 
The, the, these people um, that, that, that he's calling to repentance are the people that, that are coming to him and they think that they're a little bit better. And Christ says, no, you, you all need to repent. Again, because of original sin, Scripture tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The glory of God is the presence of God, is the relationship with God. And so all men have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin, the payment of sin, Scripture tells us is what? Is death. Death. And so we got to understand, because of what we've done, we've sinned against the holy God, we need to ask God for forgiveness. We need to, to quit living the way that we were living before and to live for him. He is our creator. He is our, he is our God. We are being created by him and for him. And if we don't live in that way, we're not living in that way, we need to repent. And these people were not doing this. And so Christ calls them to repentance. In the same way for us, when we're sinning and not living in the way that God honors the Lord, we're called to repent. Whether you're saved or whether you need to be saved, all of us need to repent of our sin, right? Ask God for forgiveness of our sin and begin to live for him. You see this, let me show you the second observance that we have here in this, in this passage regarding repentance and God's work. The second thing he says as he gets into the parable, we see it in verse 6. He, and it, it's that what, what God expects from his people. He said, he, he told this parable, a man had a fig tree that was planted in the vineyard. He came looking for fruit on it and found none. So, so here's, here's the picture, right, of the parable. It's a vineyard. You guys, have, you guys know what vineyards look like. I know you guys, we, we, I know where we live. You know, a vineyard, and in the vineyard, there's, there's a fig tree. There's probably multiple fig trees. But these fig trees are not producing fruit. Now, I know a little bit about these, these, these vineyards because I've seen some vineyards that are not well kept, and guess what? I still see grapes in them. Why? Because they're in fertile soil. They're in good soil. Now, if you were to plant a vineyard on the 99 freeway itself, nothing would grow, right? The birds would come and take whatever seeds there, they, they, whatever. It'd just be blown away and we had tumbleweed, right? But, but if you plant it on good soil, what happens? It produces. It produces. Now, if you have vineyard there, then the fig tree should also produce. But, but on, in this parable... This man, the owner of the vineyard, comes and doesn't find anything. The owner is supposed to be God. God is the owner of his vineyard. And he comes and he looks to his people. And he doesn't find that they're producing any fruit. This does not please him. This does not please him. Because he expects for there to be fruit. Again, this is talking about the people of Israel. Matter of fact, when we look in Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 5, verses 5 through 7, what we find, uh, uh, verse, um, Isaiah 5, verses 1 through 7, what we find here is this, this uh, uh, representation of who Israel is, who, who Judah is. And look at what it says, Isaiah chapter 5, 1 through 7. I will sing about the one I love, a song about my loved one's vineyard. The one I, I love had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He broke up the soil, cleared up the stones, planted it with the finest vines. He built a tower in the middle of it and even dug around its winepress there. 
He expected it to yield good grapes, but it yielded worthless grapes. So now, residents of Jerusalem and men of Judah, please judge between me and my vineyard. What more could I have done for my vineyard than I did? But when I expected a good yield of grapes, it yielded worthless grapes. Now, I will tell you what I'm about to do with my vineyard. I will remove its hedge. It will be consumed. It will, be torn down. It will tear down its walls, and, I, and it will be trampled. I will make it a wasteland. It will not be pruned or weeded. Thorns and briars will, will grow up. I will also give orders to the clouds uh, that, that rain that should not fall on it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. Again, the, the vineyard is the house of Israel and men of Judah. The plant he delighted in, he looked for justice and saw injustice. For righteousness, but heard cries of wretchedness. God looked at his vineyard who is Israel, who is Judah, and did not find righteousness. Instead, he found the opposite. He found that they were wretched. Instead of living in a way that honored God, they did not glorify God. And in this parable, that's what he's saying. There is no good fruit here. There's no fruit there. And folks, the reality is that when it comes to us here today that now are under grace we're not the people of israel but now we're people of covenant that are that are in covenant with christ because of the blood that he shed for us for the payment of our sins and the resurrection of jesus christ and when we come to him and we give him our life and ask him for forgiveness of our soul we make him the savior and the lord of our life from that moment on we're in a covenant relationship with him matter of fact the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 8, describes what that relationship should be like and how we're supposed to produce fruit. This is what it says. He says, I am the vine, this is Jesus speaking, and my Father, God, is the vine keeper. Every branch in me that, that, produces, that does not produce fruit, he removes, and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will remain and produce more fruit. You already are clean because the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you cannot do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, throw him into the fire, and they are burned. If you remain in me, my word remains in you. Ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. Listen to this. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Again, what is expected, what God expects is for us today to remain in him. And because we remain in him, we are able to produce good fruit. You see, when we repent, repent doesn't mean I just stopped doing something. Repent doesn't mean that my wife said to me, hey, Pete, quit putting in the sink the, the, the chicken bones and the steak bone and, and, the, and the napkin in the sink. And, you know, please empty it out first. And I, I don't just put it in there and I say, I saw, I'm sorry. And then next time she makes me more chicken, I do the same thing again. And then I'm sorry. And then, then that's not repentance. 
That's foolishness, actually. Because then my wife's not going to be happy with me and she's going to burn my tortillas. There's nothing worse than a burnt tortilla. Okay? Repentance is when she tells me, Pete, quit putting the bones in there and the napkins in there because they got all wet and soggy and all that. And instead of what I do is I get the plate, I, I, I put it in the, in the trash can, and I put the plate back in there because she so lovingly likes to wash dishes. She does that for fun. That's repentance. Okay? I don't just stop doing something. I actually take the right action. That's repentance. Repentance is I'm not going in the same direction, doing the same thing. It's, it's I stop and I turn from that. I begin to do something different. What God wants from us is the fruit of doing something different that glorifies him, and that's fruit of repentance. We can only do that by being engaged with him, knowing his word, living according to his word, and being engaged with his spirit that is inside of every believer. He indwells inside of us, and he guides us to live according to his word. Amen? I love the passage that we find in, in Galatians, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23, but the fruit of the spirit is love. Love. Start to just stop there. If there is fruit of repentance in your life, if you're demonstrating that you're walking with the Lord, guess what? You're going to be a loving person. If, you're a hate, if you hate people, you got to repent. you got to repent. You find yourself hating people, you got to repent. Joy. Are there any joy suckers here? Of course not. But if you're a joy sucker or you, or you don't have the joy of the Lord in your heart, you need to Repent. Begin to ask the Lord, Lord, give me joy. Fill me with joy, Lord. Let me live a joyful life. Peace. Boy, the enemy wants you to not have peace. But, he, but instead the Lord says, hey, live in such a way where you show demonstration that there's a peace in your life. You have faith in the Lord. And I can go through all of them, but I don't have enough time for that. So, you know, just look at them yourself. Examine yourself. Am I, do I have patience and kindness? Am, am I, is there goodness in my life, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? Are these things being demonstrated in my life? Is there fruit of repentance in my life? Examine your life yourself and say, am I living in a, in a, in a way that honors the Lord, glorifies God because I'm a child of God, I believe in God, his, his word is leading me, guiding me every day, his spirit is speaking to me. If you're doing that, then you're demonstrating that there's fruit of repentance. That means you, you've given your life to Jesus, he is guiding you, he is leading you, you are his, he is your Lord. But if not, then maybe you're doing your own thing. You live for yourself. You do those things that don't honor God. If that's the case, folks, you need to repent. You need to repent. We, we, we need to be careful. A lot, of people, a lot of people think that they're saved because they said a prayer once. And believe me, I believe that when we come to the Lord genuinely and we confess our sin before God and we ask the Lord to be the Lord of our lives, that at that moment we become saved. But there are a lot of people that, that just said that because they didn't want to go to hell and they continue to live their life the same way they were before and there's no fruit. And I think those are the people that are cut, thrown to the side, and burned like we saw there in, June, in, John, in John chapter 15. And so, folks, be careful. 
There's got to be fruit. Again, he says, he says, if there was no fruit, there was none found there. So then there, the, the, we see the third observation here. We see it in verses 7 through, through verses 9. And this third observation is that God's grace is still available. It's still available today. Fortunately, God's grace is still here. We see this conversation between, between the man who owned this, this, this vineyard and the vineyard worker. And the vineyard worker here is Jesus. And first we begin with, with God saying, listen, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it even waste soil? But this is what Jesus replies. The vineyard worker, he replies, sir, leave it this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. Perhaps it will bear fruit next year. And that's where we're at today. For the people of Israel, they, they would have had, you know, the, the patriarchs, the prophets. Um, Christ himself came. He, 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 he was working in their hearts, fertilizing the soil, that they would understand who God is and live for him. For us, we have Christ that has come in his testimony. We have his word. We have the church that gives testimony of who Jesus is. And he's working in the lives of people, fertilizing that people would give fruit. You guys know what fertilizer is, right? I'm not talking about the one that comes out of the cow. I'm talking the little pellets, you know? You ever seen those little pellets? They look like candy. Kids, they're not nerds, okay? They, they look like little nerds, right? When I lived in San Jose a few years ago, um, there was two trees, and there were citrus trees, and I was told one was a lemon tree and the other one was a grapefruit tree, but there was no proof of it. There's no proof of it. And, and so my wife really likes grapefruit, so I'm, we're, we're waiting for the grapefruit to come, and nothing came on the first year. There are a lot of little flowers, and they just kind of fall down, and we'd water those things like crazy, right? Because, you know, we were waiting for some citrus to come out and didn't have to go pay for it at the store, right? And nothing was coming out. So eventually, I talked to my gardener. He said, you need to fertilize it. So I went and got those little nerd kind of looking, you know, fertilizer pallets at, at Home Depot, and uh, it's not a commercial for Home Depot. I don't work for Home Depot. I don't make money from Home Depot, okay? But I went and got, grabbed these little things, and, and I, I dug around there and put the fertilizer uh, in there, the little pallets, and watered, and guess what happened the next season? We had stuff growing out of there. They were hard. They weren't tasty, you know, just wasn't quite ready yet, right? So we went another season, and we waited again, and we watered, and we did. And then finally, right before we moved out of that house, we started getting grapefruits and lemons, you know? You know, but, but, but that's what the Lord does. The Lord is working with us today so that those that are not producing fruit of righteousness, those, that fruit of repentance, that God is working in your life every day, so that you would produce good fruit. God is, God's grace is here. And he's working with grace towards those that have not yet come to him and, and surrendered their lives to him. Right now is the time of salvation. His grace is something you don't deserve. It's not something you can earn. It's something that you just receive when, when you recognize who he is, a loving God that has sent Jesus to die on the cross for your sin. He shed his blood to pay for your sin. And he resurrected on the third day, demonstrating he has power over sin and death. 
so that you could be saved if you give your life to Jesus. Today is the day of grace. Today is the day of grace. And if you're here this morning, you're either in one of these two places. You've already given your life to Jesus, but you're still messing up and you need to repent from something. Nobody said amen to that. <laughs> because we all find something that we're messing up on. We all find an area that we're weak on. Because the spirit is willing, but the flesh, we, we, we fall to it a lot of times. You need to repent. But there's other of you. You know about God. You've heard about Jesus, but you've not given your life to Jesus. You come to church because the worship is cool. You know, you come to church because people are loving. You come to church, you might even serve someplace because, you know, it's cool to be able to be involved somewhere, but you've not given your life to Jesus. You need to ask Jesus to forgive you for your sin, to come into your life and for his spirit to come inside of you. You need to give your life to Jesus and you need to say, you are the Lord of my life. Save me, Lord. Forgive me of my sin. Because nothing and no one else can save you except for Jesus. And today is the day of grace. Today could be the day of salvation for you. But it depends on you to give your life to him. No one's going to force you. You have to surrender your life to him. Because what we find from this parable and the last observation is that he is coming back. And he's coming back, and when he comes back, it's going to be the day of judgment. And in that day of judgment, as it says here, sun will be cut down. Some trees will be cut down. It's kind of like the John chapter 15 where the branches are cut. They're thrown through the side. They're burned. They're burned. For, for the people of Israel, for the people that, of favor of covenant in the Old Testament, this is what, this is what he said about them, about them in, in Proverbs chapter 1, verses 24 through 31. Since I, call, called, since I called out and you refused, extended my hand and no one paid attention, since you neglected all my counsel and did not accept my correction, I in turn will laugh at your calamity. I will mock with, when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when, tr when trouble and stress come over you, then they will call me, but I, will not, I won't answer. They will search for me, but won't find me. Because they hated knowledge, didn't choose to fear the Lord. We're not interested in my counsel and rejected all my correction. They will eat the fruit of their way and be glutton with their own schemes. They will suffer the consequences of having rejected God. This is talk, God's talking about Israel. God's talking about what's going to happen to them. And again, he affirms that in Luke 13, what's going to happen to them. But what about the rest of us that are living here today? We're not the people of Israel, but we're the people whose grace is being offered to. Judgment is coming for those as well. Matthew 25, 41 says, Then he will also say to those on the left, Depart from me, you who are cursed. Who are the cursed people? The people that are cursed are those people that are living outside of God's grace. Those that have not received Jesus as the Lord and Savior of their life, that are still living in their sin, that have not received the forgiveness that, that, that God offers through his son Jesus. He says, for those of you, you that are cursed, depart from me, he says, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. That place does not exist still today. That place is called hell. 
Right now, Hades exists. All those that have died in their sin without receiving Jesus as the Lord of their lives, they're in Hades. Hades is a place of torture and pain and suffering, Scripture says about that place. But one day, God will create this place, this eternal lake of fire, where according to Revelations chapter 20, verse, 20, verse 10 says, the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and, surf and sulfur, where the beast and the false prophets are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. That's the place for all the people that reject Jesus, that do not accept Jesus as the Lord and Savior of their life. That's where they will be. Judgment is coming for those that do not repent from their sin, that don't ask Jesus forgiveness for their sin, that don't ask Jesus to come and be the Lord and Savior of their lives. Folks, like I said, there's two kinds of people here today. There are those of us like me that have given their lives to Jesus, but we find ourselves messing up because we're not perfect. And what we need to do is repent from our sin, and as we repent from our sin, we ask the Lord for forgiveness. 1 John 1, 9 says that if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Because sin in our lives causes a disruption between our relationship with the holy God. Our prayers are hindered. Our relationship is hindered with the Holy God. So we need to repent and ask Him to forgive us, and He cleanses us. He is faithful. We don't lose our salvation but if we're sinning, but if we want to have a good, healthy relationship with Him, we, we need to confess our sin, and we need to repent. So think of your life. What are you doing? What, what sin are you committing that you know of and the Lord knows of, that you need to ask forgiveness for, ask cleansing from, but more importantly also is repent. Stop doing it. Start demonstrating fruit of repentance. But then if you're here this morning, this is the other person that's here, where we were, many of us were at one point. You're the person that Maybe you, 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 you know who Jesus is. You've heard of Jesus. You heard how Jesus is the Son of God. You heard about how Jesus resurrected from the dead. You've heard of how he paid for your sins, but you've been doing your own thing. You've not put your faith in him for the salvation of your soul. And you know that unless you ask God for forgiveness, you're going to hell. You're going to this lake of fire. Today is the day that you can give your life to Jesus. It could be the day of salvation for your soul. And Scripture tells us that if we confess with our mouth, believing in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, that you will be saved. You call out to Him as Lord of your life. Tell Him, save me, Lord. Forgive me of my sins. And today can be the day of salvation. And He will put His Spirit inside of you. And as you continue to read his word and his spirit working inside of you and the church coming alongside of you, you can begin to live a life where you demonstrate fruit of repentance. And you demonstrate to others that the Lord is with you. And he will affirm you every day that you're his. Not just his creation, but a child of God. Today could be the day of salvation for you. And so I'm going to ask us, as the worship team gets... 
on their way up here, and they begin to play. I'm going to ask us all to bow our heads and close our eyes. You're here this morning. God has spoken to you. And you know there is something in your life that you need to ask forgiveness for and that you need to repent of. Will you just take this time right now and repent? Talk to God, our Father. Say, Lord, forgive me. Help me to live for you. But if you're here this morning, you want to give your life to Jesus, will you say this prayer right where you're at? He can hear you. Just tell him this. Say, Lord, forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for failing you, Lord. I ask you to come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I receive the gift that you give of Jesus. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins. That he paid by his blood for my sins. That he resurrected on the third day. And today I put my faith in you, Jesus, for the forgiveness of my soul. Come and be the Lord and Savior of my life. Just cry out to him right there where you're at. He can hear you say, save me. Save me, Lord Jesus. If that was your prayer this morning, on the authority of Scripture, can I tell you that you are saved and nothing and no one can take that away? It's a gift that God has given, and at this moment, you've become a new creation in Christ Jesus. And we want to celebrate with you. So as the worship team plays, I'm going to be up here in the front. And if you prayed that prayer, you made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life, I want you to come up here and I want you to let me know because I want to pray with you. And then when, when people see you come up as we're singing, if you come up, people are going to do this. They're going to cheer because they remember what it was like the day that they were saved. And Scripture tells us that in heaven there is a celebration going on when one person repents of their sin. And if you give your life to Jesus, I want everybody here to, to just cheer because it's a day of salvation. And so as we sing, as we sing and we celebrate, will you come up, if that is you, if you gave your life to Jesus this morning, do not be ashamed. We've all get, made this decision. We've all sinned. But so many of us have given our life to Jesus. And he's already done the work in our lives. And today, if he did it on you, he did it for you. You gave your life to him. Will you let us know? We want to celebrate with you. So let's stand and let's worship the Lord as we sing.